The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out Welcome to Talent Talk Asia. My name is Andrea Ross, founder of the team building, leadership development and e-learning company, The Career Establishment. I'm joined for an exclusive conversation with Ben McDonald, Director for Supply Chain and Procurement Practice for Connexus Global, based in Singapore and focusing on Singapore and Asia growth markets. The podcast is split into two parts for your listening pleasure. Now, both podcast episodes focus heavily on billing managers. So for those individual billers that are looking to move into management, then you'll find this podcast just for you. Ben has over 14 years experience with Hayes, Randstad, Proco Global, Vertical Talent, and more recently, he's one of the three founders for Connexus Global, focusing on supply chain and procurement practice for Singapore and Asia growth markets. Don't forget to check out part one where Ben shares the history of Connectus Global, what the early days looked like for him when he started out as a billing manager back in Hayes, Australia, how he manages his time between individual billing and managing a team, how he leads his one-on-ones and how he's been able to motivate during COVID-19. In this episode of part two, Ben will share his experiences of managing underperformers, what adjustments he's had to make as a manager, managing through tough times, and how the team has shaped up during the pandemic. He'll also share what roles are in demand right now and which ones have contracted and why. He'll share his insights on how procurement candidates work with their recruiters and how as a leadership team at Connectus, they're anticipating further disruptions to their industry and how to overcome them. Ben also took some questions from the listeners covering career advice, remuneration for billing managers and what books or podcasts he's reading right now that has helped his leadership career. We hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we had making it. Don't forget to share it with a friend and change their perspective today. This is part two of the podcast with Ben McDonald from Connectus Global. And we're now moving on to underperformers and exit interviews. Oh, one of my one of my favorite topics as well. I love I love this topic because there's always juicy stuff that comes out of it. So there's some really good learnings for new managers that haven't had all those experiences yet. Um, so can you share a story of when you've had to deal with an underperformer in your career? You know, what was the situation? What did you do? You know, and maybe if 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 it's relevant, what would you have done differently? Yeah. So um, <clears throat> the um, yeah, look, it, it does. It just yeah, it doesn't always work out, does it? Like that's, that's, <laughs> that's basically. I think I think um, you know, I think I, th- I, th- I think though, it's it's, it's there the, needs to be like a collective responsibility of the individual and, mm. and and also the manager. You know, if, if you've made the decision to, to to hire that individual, then you also have a responsibility to. You know, to give them all the support and, and, and training, really. So it's not, you know, if, for me, like performance management is a process which goes over a period of time, and um, really, the, the, there is like the, there's an open there's open dialogue throughout that process and very regular communication, and, and, and that can you know that can serve as support. Um, but ultimately, if it, if it does get to the point where you have to part ways, then there aren't. There aren't any surprises, I guess, because there's been, you know, very much a, um, you know, very much like a measured process with, with open communication in that um, that you've gone through that, that that has been designed entirely around hopefully making that that individual yeah. uh, success, successful. Um, the uh, the so the there is an example that springs to mind, which was was 
again, that this was down in down in Australia, and I think we talked about this in part one was um, was that we you know we we made a hire who was actually a really you know really smart and talented individual, but just you know in, in the wrong job effectively. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know we we went through this process and, and then through that process, um, and this is an example that actually worked. Um, but uh, throughout that process, we we, we realised that you know the, the job and, and the desk and the market they were in it wasn't really playing playing to their strengths. So um, so it was probably about halfway through that process that that that, that, that we we spotted this and there was again you know with the open communication there was a. There was an agreement really that this wasn't working halfway through the process and we, we discussed the various options available at that time and, and um the the well it was the decision that the consultant took actually which was to change their job a, a little bit and, and to move from being more of a you know more of a business development person in a, in a newer market um to what could have been perceived as, as a lesser job but it was actually a far more effective sort of uh, yeah, more of, played more of an effective role in, in the team in, in that, that yeah. was supporting them mostly. And played to their strengths um, probably a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. And, and like, I, th- I think that's, you know, that's the key really. When, when I've, you know, when, when I've obs- obs- observed consultants not working out, it's normally there's, there's been a mismatch, you know, of, yeah. of, of strengths and, and, and what's required yeah. in, in, in the job. And, and, you know, again, something that being a small business and, and being, being at Connexus, we, what, what we, what we, we can do some way is to say we've, we've got very wide ranging markets so we, we can craft the role around the individual strengths mm. to it to an mm. extent um you know if if, if we, we've got a really good handle on, on what what the strengths and, and development areas are for, for that particular individual but in in this case um we we took a, a mutual agreement to, to change the job and, and 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 that individual at the time you know, became more of a you know more candidate focus and more sort of process and, and, and delivery focus, and, and it turned out actually that, that candidate, um, well, sorry, that that consultant was um, was really you know really quite motivated by helping people and, and consulting. Oh, and, it's and, one of the helping people of, ones. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah. you always yeah. know they're never going to be a consultant, Philly, when they say <laughs> I just want to help people. No. <laughs> Yes, you do want to provide a great service and source great <laughs> talent, but you are there also to make money yeah, and hit your targets. Money. Yes. That was an example. It, it took a while to get there. And I think it's, it's um, you know, it, you, there has to be some sort of honest questions for yourself if you find yourself in a situation where, you know, you, you're, not, you're not performing. And I've been there myself, actually, you know, in, in, in roles sort of pre-recruitment. Where I've just not not been in the right role, or the expectations haven't been aligned with what's realistic, yeah. or what's yeah. this year. you sort of have to, you know, you have to you have a responsibility yourself to just kind of assess that and mm. go, well, look, actually, this mm. might not be the right job. For yeah, me. I think bef- maybe I do need to, you know, sorry, look for look for a different job or choose a different field or um, yeah, look for a different market. If you, you know, I think performance impl- I think performance improvement plans are good if they're communicated that they're not put in place just because we're going to get you out the door because I think in recruitment mm. PIPs are always perceived as god if you if you put yeah. me on a PIP I'm out. Definitely. And it's always yeah, within definitely. recruitment within sort of the bigger corporates non recruitment they're seen as look we actually do we do really want to um identify what are the areas that you need to improve on what are you going to be accountable for what we're going to do to support that mm. and you know, it, it is a proper plan. It's their complete focus, yeah. of, you know, development plan. Um, but in recruitment, it's always seen as, well, oh, I can't well look for another job then. It, no, it really is, right? actually. And I think, uh, if, I, if I think about, I mean, I gave you an example where where it, it, it did work, but, the, you know, there's, there's countless ones where it, it hasn't worked and, and um, you know, when, when a consultant's moved on. And, and I think, like, ultimately, like the longer-term outcome is, is probably better for all parties, you know, like, individual they were hired in the first place not that you know that they're necessarily a bad person it's just that they're in the wrong job and um you know really you know as soon as you all reach that conclusion that's, mm. that's better for everybody um but yeah like i think you i think you're right it is it's that horrible kind of um i'm, I'm on a paper i was i was working in, in an office once where i think like there's sort of nine people in the office and seven of them were on pitch, you know, so it was, it was, kind, of, it was kind of like, I wasn't one of them. Um, then, but yeah, it's always, you, you, it's you, always you, a worry. I think you've got to look at possibly that the manager was a little bit shit, to be honest, if that's 
that's the case. I think don't let the manager hire anyone new ever again because that certainly hasn't worked. Yeah. Um, I, I would love recruitment firms to look at PIPs differently because I think they are a good yeah. idea, but I think the communication of them has just got to be um, changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. So when it when it looks when you look at when you moved from individual contributor to billing manager. You know, with the market being a you know really tough right now, what are the, what are sort of three key areas should a billing manager focus on to sort of ride out that storm and help I the think, team? Uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of, it's, yeah, look, it's really hard times. But again, you know, be, being a billing manager, you, you're in the trenches, so you, you can. Uh, it's, it's kind of excuse the analogies, but you know, you can build up a siege, a siege mentality quite quite you know, quite easily because you're, you're, you're doing, you know, you're doing the job, you, you experience exactly the same challenges. Yeah. Um, so you, you're a lot better equipped to be empathetic to the scenario um, that, that you, you're faced with. So I think, I think being understanding and being empathetic is one thing, you know, maintaining high, high standards of activities that we, we all have to do a lot more in, in, in this present market, you mm-hmm. know, as a, as a, as a, you know, as, as a new startup recruitment business going into year two, we probably, Already operating at 120 percent um, as, as a new new startup business in the present market with, with the pandemic, um, we, we we sort of have to be you know 150 percent plus really in, in order for us to you know to achieve the goals that we we, we want to achieve. So it, it's just it's been you know and I say that from an activity perspective. I think that the reality is you know in, in terms of you know fees and, and, and revenue. Again, you have to really be realistic to, to that. So whilst the activity needs to be to a higher level as, as a as a smaller privately owned business we can also be realistic and readjust our, our, mm. our financial targets mm. as well to sort of ride ride the storm and um make make sure make sure that the guys in the team that they know they they need to work harder to overcome the current challenges but what what we can definitely avoid is is that kind of environment of anxiety where yeah you know people Gosh. people come in and mm. you know if it, in a small office, it only you know it takes sort of one person to be really yeah, fearful and anxious, and that can that can you know that can fester, can't of, it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So really conscious of that, and really conscious of um, you know, so re- reassessing the targets and, and and ensuring that there is a, an increased level of activity, um, and, and also staying positive. I think I think that's just it's absolutely it's absolutely key. Yeah, um, I think. Not you everyone know, it, is positive, it, it, though, right? Because if you, cause no. I, I do, I do strengths coaching, and positivity is one mm. of the thirty-four talents. And not everyone has positivity. You know, some people <laughs> no, have natural don't. positivity. I've got, yeah. I've got positivity top mm. five. So you know, I will always look on the bright side of things. But it's not always in everybody. Some people will just no. naturally, and it's not because they're doom and gloom. It's just that they don't na- naturally see the good side of things. So it's a lot harder to kind of get people to see that side and how it affects the rest of the team, isn't it? If you don't have some. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I, look, I personally, I, it's probably a challenge for me, actually. I, I can, you know, I can sometimes get a bit beaten up by the job, you know, it, right. it's pretty difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, think, things don't always go your way. Year, year one of Connexus was, was probably my hardest year in, in recruitment, actually harder than it is now in, in, in a pandemic. But did you like it, though? Even though um, it was harder, did you like it? Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. a weird way, yeah. yeah. I, did, I, did. I mean, it was, it was more rewarding. So yeah, because when we spoke the, to the Ad- wins were, Yeah, because when we spoke to Adam yeah. Wade, I think he was mm-hmm. possibly my first podcast, um, with Adam Wade when he set up Nextways with Alex, you know, it was kind of a hard first hard year, but actually really invigorating because you're doing everything new. It's your business, so mm. steep learning curve, but but exciting at the same time. Are you still feeling that now? It's um, it, it's evolved a little bit. I, I, I suppose it, it's, it's there's still the same level of um, you know level of desire and, and, and drive but the business has evolved so we you know we, mm. we have clients now it's more uh, I, I guess now it, it's 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 a little bit more about being responsible for others and, and, and realizing that you actually have a you know you have a business you yeah. have uh, employees and, and these people the driving performance you to, you know, within to, there to, yeah. to an extent yeah which again, you know again it comes down to, to the positivity side of things I think year year one when um certainly before we hired anyway you know it, it, it was difficult and having a hard time and and, and the, the negativity can get to you and it didn't really mm. affect that many other people if if, if you you were visi- visibly affected by that um but uh but in, in year two that you know the challenges are no, no sort of, uh, 
greater or lesser, but it's just that there's, there's more people and there's more at stake, I guess. Yeah. So you, just be, being, being aware of, of, of keeping positive. Particularly if that's not your, your natural disposition. Yeah, you know, I think that's a great thing that you brought up. I think it seems quite simple, you know, be positive, but actually it's, it is really hard as a as a manager. You have got to put that mask on, especially if you are worried for their jobs. You're worried about what's out there. You're also getting the knockbacks every day. And you, it's like being a parent. You know, you've got that duty to sort of teach them the right way, and you know, it'll all be all right in the end. So yeah, I suppose that takes that takes a lot of physical energy and mental energy, right, to do that. To come fighting each day, smiley face, right? Okay, how are we doing this, right? So some are yeah. more natural than others. Yeah, I think that is really tough yeah, for people. Yeah, yeah. You do, you, 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 you know, you, you have to be conscious and you, you need to flip that switch at the minute you walk through the office. Yeah, or drive it with people within the team. On. You know, there may be people yeah. on the team that have that really high and I think mm. it's having someone, you know, especially if they're kind of a number two in the team to um, be, you know, encouraging them to be doing that as well. It isn't just the leader mm. that should be just doing it as well. <clears throat> um, okay, I... I think there was one question I was going to ask about how you're driving a high performance team, but I'm actually going to ask it in a different question. So when we talked a, f- um, a couple of weeks ago about kind of what we were going to talk about and topics for the podcast, um, you were telling me, you were sharing with me that the team have done really well during COVID, which is <laughs> awesome. So talk me through how they've done well, how you've been able to drive that high performance through a pretty rubbish time where firms are letting people go you're a small business you know you could have been affected quite drastically so talk talk me through that so we we um we had a you know we had a a very very strong push in in year one um which was january 2019 all the way through obviously and then then january 2020 was our second year and things kind of started to get a bit a bit bit concerning um around i think it was like february time so um so there was there was a number of things, some some of which are probably down to good fortune, some of which are down to we're a new business and um, you know if, if as a as a team we we, we had a, a very successful first year actually. So there was a lot of positive momentum mm. going going into the second year, and, and so we just had this really through you know natural kind of mm. natural um, you know na- naturally the efforts that were required in, in year one of any new business. So we, 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 we came into year two, we were, you know, super pumped in, in, in January, um, had a, you know, had a, a team get together and, and, and there was, you know, there's a lot of energy and, and, and that year one of, of the business was, we, we, we had, you know, targets to sign up X amount of clients, which we, which we'd hit. So, uh, and those clients have, have turned out to be really, really very good clients actually and very right. loyal loyal to us as well um and, and not necessarily through design neither you know we we in, in year one we we um we, we we've managed to develop clients that you might say were you know more recession proof type clients so um consumer goods is or consumer goods and food is, is probably our biggest industry right. uh, that, that we focus on at the moment so right. uh you know we've got we've got clients that um that manufacture you know all manner of food and consumer goods and and and, and and, and uh, toilet roll and, and, hey! and all, all the um, yeah, yeah, that's a that's all, a good one to go for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all the all the essential products that you you need in a pandemic. It turns out. Um, so, um, so th- there was there was some you know there was there was a, there was the kind of the natural um, the natural momentum that we had from a year one business going into year two. There was the industries that we were focusing on. There was a, a really good culture of. Of, of high activity and, and all of this was was in place really um in, in in the business so so when the when the pandemic hit um we we you know you could say we were quite well conditioned as a business to to, to face all of these challenges that, that were, were, were coming out as we we you know we, i think we had a record number of jobs on and then within a week you know we'd, we'd, we'd lost a whole heap of them and, and they'd gone and we thought this is it you know this is this yeah is, this is doom, this is doomsday but then yeah. i think you know after after a couple of weeks we realized we realized it wasn't so bad um and, and you know some of the clients in, in as i say those more recession proof industries started to to actually uh to actually come good and, and um i think over, overriding all of this as well is, is that the business is focused on supply chain as well so um you know that that is that's been cargo you know, still going right incredibly yeah, fortunate yeah. In, in in the you know our clients themselves have got a whole range of diff- different challenges at the moment um but 
but it, you know they're, they're not they're not redundant by any means like these guys have been kind of called upon more than ever at the moment yeah. and, and they're moving and, medical you know. or right yeah it's not absolutely yeah, it's not necessarily yeah, people but yeah Mm, absolutely so you know there's this there's companies that we work with whose you know whose sales have gone through the roof at the moment with, with the pandemic and they, they can't actually get you know the raw material or, or the product into their supply chain quick enough to, to service the, the the demand for whatever the product is that they sell so um it's not that there's a you know a, i suppose um like a lack of business at the moment it's definitely it's definitely patchy but um we, we are you know we're quite fortunate in, in that we we're in we're in an essential business. And it's perm, isn't moment, it? You're doing perm predominantly, aren't you? Yeah. Predominantly perm. Yeah. yeah. Pre- predominantly, predominantly perm. And, and so we've, we've seen a, a, like the market's been, um, it, it's look, it's not been, it's not been buoyant, but it, it's been active in the areas of key roles and essential roles. So and, talk talk me through that. Cause that was one of the questions that came up from James Hickman. I'm giving you a mention here. We saw it on your podcast. Okay. We saw it on LinkedIn. What were the roles then? Um, you know, industries, positions that are hot right now. Why? Why is that? So the the industries that are are hot right now. Um, I, look, I think the food the food industry is is a really really interesting. I know. I put loads of weight on industry. <laughs> COVID calories. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it's interesting for I guess a lot of behind the scenes reasons. You know, when you probably don't realise as a consumer just you know the, the amount. That actually goes into that industry, and I, I like read somewhere recently that I think at the moment thirty percent of all manufacturing is, is food manufacturing. So, you know, it's a huge industry, and and, and um, the the innovation that goes into the the industry behind the scenes, and, um, and 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 the different technologies that go into agriculture businesses, and, and the different technologies that are being explored at the moment, um, and obviously driven by changing tastes and. Um, changing consumer behaviours and, and, and so on. It, it, it makes for this industry to, to be um, very, very buoyant. And, and actually, in Asia Pacific, a lot, a lot of that's been driven through through Singapore. Um, so there's lots of it, lots of uh, lots of investment in food innovation, uh, food technology, supply chain technologies. Um, the, these these would be you know very much the industries that are key at the moment. But if you think of a product or a service or anything that's of an essential yeah. essential nature at the moment, tends to, to be uh, tends to be typical of a client that we might be working with at the moment. And what are the what are the roles that are not doing so well that you just that have gone off a cliff? The the we any of our clients that had quite considerable like investment projects pending that have been been shelved. So that right. could be like a new factory, right? Of um, or it, it could be um, it, it could be like a an industry that's been particularly particularly hit. So we, we actually. And again, in, in Q2 that this year, that we did quite well. We actually, we, we did actually believe it or not, make make placements with um, with an airline in, in in the region. We made three placements actually huh. with an airline in the region, um, which is very surprising. You know, you just, you'd yeah. think that that's probably the, yes. the last the last industry that's going to be hiring, but um, that the placements that we made were actually key procurement people that were going to sit in their their regional hubs, right. and, and, right. and obviously procurement people there in in many cases there to you know look at ways for the business to save money and, and, and right, of course, of course. And, and, yeah. and manage risk and, yeah. and, and so on so there would be more in you know, demand then the procurement would be more in demand yeah yeah. yeah yeah so that's i mean that that so that's very you know, that's very typical of the kind of work that we've been doing at the moment where the, the job itself is is a key a key requirement for, for whatever whatever the reason really it could be like a it could be a medical client or it could be a food client or it could just be a critical role within an organization where they just need that you know they need that person in that seat pandemic or no pandemic um but yeah that's that and again you know it's, it's a good thing about supply chain is that it is so it is so yeah. broad and it's so yeah. vast in, in that we're not we're not kind of not pegged down to or, or overly exposed to any one area that if it does drop off the cliff then you are you know you're incredibly yeah, exposed no, exactly. I think there's yeah. so, quite a lot of, quite a lot of stories like you know of, of individuals and recruiters that are you know 100% exposed to a, uh, an industry that's just effectively yeah like real estate all. in Hong Kong whole teams have let go mm. from recruitment firms and stuff like that so um one one question that I wanted to ask you was Obviously, when you're dealing with procurement candidates, I mean, obviously, I've dealt with procurement as clients. God, it was so hard, um, <laughs> really hard, because they're just so, so they're just such expert negotiators. So you know, you've got to be prepared when you walk into a procurement meeting versus HR and line managers. 
because you know they're going to get you. So I'd love to know a little bit more about how you've been able to adjust your recruitment style to managing procurement candidates through a recruitment process because are they tough at negotiating their salaries? Do they like to do it themselves? Are they comfortable you doing it on their behalf? Like what have you been experiences? Talent Talk Asia is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Visit vincere.io forward slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. I think it, you know, it, it varies in an individual and I think it's different from a you know, junior candidate to a more senior candidate. <clears throat> I think um, also as, as well with, with procurement and certainly more, you know, more strategic and, and more senior procurement folk, they, they, you know, they, they do tend to look, believe it or not, at, at value over, over, over cost. Um, right. And, and if they, if they've, find themselves or if you find yourself and, and you're in a conversation and, and, and if it's difficult to articulate what your value may be is I think it's really important that that you kind of get your sponsor somewhere someone somewhere in the business has sponsored you to be there in the first place and, and to be servicing the business so somebody sees the value in your in your service I think it's, it's really important that if, if there's a lack of understanding of that within procurement it could just be that they're responsible for a whole manner of, of things you know and they don't understand the nuances of whatever the desk is that you might be running in Singapore or, or or so on so it is to facilitate the conversations is I think that's that's key and and look hopefully you know you you have a procurement person that sees the value and, and you know yeah. they'll, they'll, yeah. they'll they'll grant you the extra two percent because you're the only person in your market that does what you do and, and they'll mm. see the value of that which you know it, it, there's more value in them doing that than getting a cheaper deal maybe uh, elsewhere and, and look I, I do find that the the the, the senior procurement people are, are more that that way inclined so but it's just sometimes you, you have to facilitate the conversations and you might need to speak to your hiring manager and say having this conversation with procurement um, this is the way it's going um, that's not going to work for us would you mind kind of uh, interjecting and, and just sort of talking about who we are, what we do, and, and the diff- difficulties that you have, you know, solving mm. solving this mm. recruitment problem outside of, of working with us. Um, so, you know, f- facilitate those conversations. Um, the procurement procurement people's jobs as, as well. It's, it's not just about saving money. You know, that they, they look at many many different things. It, it could be um, it, it could be managing the risk in a contract. It could be. Mm looking at the you know the time to pay it, it could be a whole host of things really so but as candidates are they a bit of a nightmare <laughs> they, they, they can be tricky yeah they, they, they definitely can be tricky I think I think it's a case of you know certainly the contracts like you, you the, the contract is is the key that that needs to be right and you know the right. T's need to be right so they'd be more detailed be, on what's in there they'll very they'll fall back very on detailed that. yeah very detailed very um very aware of the risk involved right. and, and the risk of, of swap. But would they manage? Company. Would they let you manage the salary negotiations? Yeah, typically. Okay, uh, so they trust uh, you to do yeah. that. Okay, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I always thought yeah, that they might it, sort it, of take over from that side. They might want to get involved no, in it. No, they, they they don't. I think I think they. I do find that most you know most candidates like like someone else to do that. It can be a bit of an awkward candidate, whether you know whether you're a professional negotiator. Yeah. And a procurement person or, or, or not really it can still be particularly if you need to push back as well you, you know it's, it's better to you know bully someone else to do that yeah, than, yeah. than, than, than uh, you know then take that on yourself with your own future future employer um i, I do I, you know i do find actually in procurement though it is it's the, the, the clients actually um they 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 do look at how the individual behaves in that process, even though it might be through me or, or through another okay. recruiter. They actually look at the behaviours of of the individual and how they conduct themselves and what they what they may or may not ask for through me and, and how they do that. So it's a, it's it's a bit of a game to be honest. Yeah, like, that is and really it, it's only um, it's only really concluded at the end of the process when you have a signed contract. But yeah, but I suppose um, you, we've mentioned that before though when we when you said about someone that you were going to hire and they were chasing you for feedback it's kind of looking at those th- looking at those actions and think well okay they would probably be be like that if they're in the role as a recruiter so you're just yeah. assessing aren't you how you know how they're conducting themselves throughout that process 
So just I think, before... I think you learn a lot from an individual in, in how they conduct mm. themselves in in that that kind of scenario. Yeah. And actually, it's probably a, a truer reflection of, of who that person really is, as opposed yeah. to maybe what you've got from the, the yeah. textbook. Yeah, they're sort of guards down. So, what areas mm. do you th- what areas um, within your field do you think will continue to grow, and how are you going to accommodate that growth for the future as for your business? So, uh, within uh, well, within. So within Connect Suite, uh, across a wide area of value chain job functions. So the areas that will we'll grow, it's actually different regionally. So we're starting to see um, like a, a decentralization of roles from Singapore. It's been happening for quite a while, actually, but decentralization of roles that were previously centralized in Singapore and that have gone out into, into the regions and, and into different maybe lower cost locations. So, What types of positions um, the, then are they? What types of areas have been decentralized? Uh, like lower to middle management, it could be supply planning, it could be, right. um, you know, previous corporate roles that were in a Singapore office because that was where the regional headquarters are. But, you know, there's, right. there's an office so in, like KL, finance there's an office in right. Bangkok and, right. and so on. And, and you know, the, 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 the skills in these locations have also been increasing. So you, you can't, you, know, you can get very good people in, in these locations. So yeah. I think I think that will continue, um, you know, and, and again, you know, that's what, what Connexus is sort of, all geared around really is to service that if you know if a company wants to mm. move a role from from uh, Singapore to Thailand or, or KL or wherever that we're, we're there to, to kind of service that, yeah. that trend really. Um, but question on that, just just sorry, I'm, I'm gonna, you're gonna hate me because yeah. I just ask questions that aren't <laughs> on the thing because I'm just interested. So there's a lot about this right at the moment in terms of how are we as as you know how how are we in companies looking at what that future is going to look like? Because obviously, it's, some companies have reacted really well to COVID. Others mm-hmm. just they've closed operations, right? So yeah. we all know that there's always going to be change. There's always going to be things around the corner. We've got to be able to develop our staff. I'm talking as if I have staff. I don't. Um, you know, how do we develop staff to be able to um, be be agile, be change ready, look at that positively, and know where those growth markets are. How are you guys getting ready for that? I mean, are you doing like strategy offsides? Do you talk regularly on it, or is it just look? We know we need to be there. Like, what what is it that that you think that you do that is going to help you look at those growth markets and be able to accommodate that growth? So, so the business in year one was 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 our, our kind of our, our our first clients were were leading the field in, in, in one particular area. It could be like technology transformation, mm. or it could be, as, as I said, the, the decentralization of, of roles from Singapore to, um, you know, to Thailand or, or another location in, in Southeast Asia. And, and these typically tend to be like the, the tier one businesses mm. and they're, lead, they're leading the way and, and then others others follow. Um, so we, we were fortunate enough that, that we, we'd started dealing with these businesses quite early on. So we, we I'd say that, our recruitment activities and, and our networking and, and building our talent pool it's all been geared around growth markets actually and we've been working with businesses that have been leading the field in that so organically just through managing that process with, with clients um we we built a capability really, and, and i guess we we probably it was beyond our consciousness that right it's so a mirror in their growth now, mm. absolutely yeah so then you know, coming into year two of the business, and that there continues to be these these trends of um, certainly decentralisation, or it could be technology transformation in in, uh, in in Singapore. Is that we've got really good case studies now that we can kind of say to company B, well, we, we did this for company A, and, and that was what you want to achieve. And so yeah. we've got really really good case studies and testimonials and um, and, and references to you know to to, to, to back that up basically. Um, but I think you know coming coming back to you. I think what your original question was, was, was that there is a, um, there is a, like the, the changes are just so da- dynamic at the moment yes. and, and, and so rapid in, yes. in, in how, how businesses are evolving to technology um, and the technologies that are available and, and, and the businesses and, and the jobs in those businesses are, mm. are moving at a, mm. a quicker rate than what the actual skills can keep up with. Yeah. So, um, you know, what, what, what businesses really need to do is they actually need to hire people to do jobs that they've never necessarily done yeah, before yeah. and, and um, you know, provide them with, yeah, provide them with like a, an environment where they can learn and develop. And, and it's, it's actually from a recruitment perspective, you've got to be a bit more creative these days than what you've previously. Very much so. I mean, I've, um, I'm recording a podcast next week with 
Mark Francis that runs, <laughs> he, he runs three businesses, two recruitment firms and one invoice financing. And th we're talking about the future of recruitment, you know, because just in terms mm. of as a recruiter being quite agile in terms of your backgrounds, not being so reliant on um, just what your role looks like now is knowing that yeah. that, that role that your clients are going to look for in the future will probably look quite differently. What are you doing now to develop those skills or acquire new ones? So that's just something Certainly. I thought it's just, it's, you know, it's for you guys, it's, you, it sounds as though you're already having these discussions, you're at a senior leadership level with clients and mirroring those, mirroring that growth and obviously translating that mm. down to the business somehow that mm. that's structured over time. So I think that's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, right. We are going on to questions from the listeners. Okay. Yeah. And then we're going to do a quick fire round. Then we're finished um, of part okay. two of the podcast. So we had a few questions. I'm just going to, uh, we've already gone over two of the questions that James Hickman, James got another mention. Um, we've already mentioned his ones, but this one was from someone in um, the Middle East. So, so the question was for expatriates from Middle East markets in supply chain based roles, what's the likelihood of being hired in Singapore in the near future? If yes, how does someone go about achieving that? So it, I think um, I think it boils down to what the individual does, uh, really, and, and, and the skill set. So there isn't, I haven't probably got a, an exact yes or no answer to that question because it'd be, be useful to, to know what, um, I'll what, what the gentleman you. I'll does. I'll forge you the person's email. Yeah, they said I yeah. Um, look, the, the, yeah, the, the short answer is that people are certainly, you know, getting jobs from overseas in Singapore at the moment. And, they are with employment a, passes. Yeah, yeah, we've 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 started to we've started to see that. Yeah. Although there is there is a you know there is you know an immediate tendency to review the local market and um, and you know there's there's a lot of measures in place to ensure that. So if you're an overseas company that wants to move to Singapore, I'd say that the environment probably isn't so it's probably not so welcoming, but it is it is possible for certain so certain for levels certain job functions. Certain. Yeah, certain levels typically very specific you know very specific skill sets or very specific sets of experience like what um, what, what, think, what role and level would someone look at a foreigner i would say it's a senior level role um and if it's what a senior level um director level so what 180 yeah. 250 above or yeah that -ish? yeah what yeah. what we certainly certainly high 100s and, and above um and and then within that there had would have to be something quite specific that, that really can't be found in Singapore. Okay. And, and you know the, the the way the market is here at the moment is is that, that there are quite a lot of very good people. Yeah. Um, looking, looking for jobs, mm. so you are you are you are up against an already very well established and already here talent pool that are fighting for the same jobs essentially. So would so, the advice be to try and find roles in your local market with a view long term to relocate to Singapore? Uh, yeah, that that would be one way, um, or or another way is, you know, I, I do see the moves to Singapore these days happen. I'd, I'd say maybe in, in equal measurement, if it's an internal move, um, yeah. where there's there's yeah. already like a essentially a relationship in place, or you know, there's there's some sort of internal you know knowledge that you have that, yeah. that means yeah. that you are really the only person that can do that person in that location, and therefore that the, there isn't a move that necessitates that. Yeah. that, that. That, that that move but it, it's not it's not the best environment at the moment to yeah to, to come no, here it's, from, not, it's not ideal from the outside. It? yeah it's hard yeah. For, it's hard for people living here that uh, that are already got employment That's passes true. right so, yeah um, absolutely so another question was does it pay more to be a manager versus an individual biller don't worry Ben, we're not asking <laughs> for your salary but does it pay I'd more i'd like to know who asked that question <laughs> um, <laughs> um does it? Um, it yeah, I think. Look, I think in the long term it does. Yeah, I think you have to look. You have to if you're thinking about if you're thinking about being a billing manager, you have to really, you know, you really have to think about the job in a long term sense. And it's very difficult to, to be successful in a in a, in a short term sense. Um, yeah. So yeah. in in the in the medium to long term, I think I think yes, um, and I think the, the ceiling's higher and, and, and the the earning capacity is in, in theory higher because there's always a different um, 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 commission structure for. Taking that's the right. of the team, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so the, I think the opportunity is it's higher in, in management, but attaining that opportunity to get the higher yeah. Yeah. earnings is maybe more straightforward yeah. if I, you are a high-performing individual. I would say first year you would expect to take a cut in your in your mm. overall earnings just because you're spending more time developing the team, depending on the level of the team, especially mm. if they're junior. 
um, you may struggle to maintain those kind of usual individual billings. And if you are doing those high, high billings and you're the only and you're the top performer on that team and managing your team may suffer. So I think you've mm. got to look at your, if anyone's listening <laughs> to the podcast that asked, <laughs> to this, to the person that put this question in, was just look at that first year as really developing the team and covering your costs and um, mm. really looking at how you're building for the second, third, fourth year where you can then get your billings yeah. up. And a lot of that is delegation, is really focusing in on a lot on the delegation side. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's, 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 a, it's actually a great, it's a great question. And, and you know, it's probably... It's probably something that I've got wrong in, in the past, actually, and, and, and gone, yeah, I want to be a manager. But then, you know, you, you get into that role and you realise, well, actually, this 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 job and, and, and what there is for me to get out of this job, it doesn't actually tally up with what I want in yeah. life right now. I need money um, yeah. at the moment. But, you know, to get the money, it's a missing it's a long-term mm. goal. So I think it's really important that you actually have a very honest review of, of yourself and, and yeah. go, okay, well, what do I need? What do I want? Am I happy with the trade-offs and, and, and yeah, what, yeah, really have those discussions early that. on. Mm. Third one was: Are there any books or literature or anything that you would suggest people read when they're thinking of getting into management? You know, are you one of those people to do, it or or are you just more surrounding yourselves with with people and and sort of working through that yeah. as part of a leadership now team? That, what work, what's I, worked I for you in the past? There is um, there's there's some great books out there. I mean, there's there's so many books out out there these days on management that they tend to they tend to focus on like very micro yeah and um, you got to read the whole very book micro to topics. find the ones yeah, that, yeah, you, yeah. you get to page 90 yeah. then you find that one <laughs> snippet <laughs> that's what I always yeah I, I always um I, I personally I think this is just the way that I I relate to things and, and like to learn is I like to be able to relate to a you know, a, a, well, if, it's, if it's a book, then an individual and what the story around mm. that individual is. I, I don't, what I don't biographies really like and reading. things like that. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't like reading. I don't like reading textbooks. I get I get bored very quickly. Yeah. Um, you do audible. I, just, I, I do, but I, I get I get my, my my concentration doesn't always yeah. extend to yeah, the end that's of, fair enough. Of, of, yeah. of the book. You know, so I, I like the kind of podcast actually. Yeah, short, sharp. Um, that that works really well for me. But uh, if it's a book, if it's a management book, I, I tend to like to pick. You know, an individual that I may have heard about in a business mm. that you know hold, hold in high regard and, and, mm. and do that. I actually just um, so I just finished, finished Bob Iger's book, who, who was the CEO of Walt Disney, oh, for like fourteen years. Yeah. So it's kind of, I think you told me about um, that, didn't you? I think last time we spoke, or well, somebody maybe, else has read that maybe. that told me about yeah. that. Yeah, it's a, it's a really it's a really good book, and, and actually, that I mean, it's effectively it's, a, it's an interesting story book if you're interested in business. But like, the, there's some really good underlying like management type principles yeah, sure. you know pro- probably mm. boil down to say two or three which you know you, you can really take from that and um you know i think if it's too theoretical it's very difficult to i think so everything. and there's not a lot that always is related to recruitment as well because sometimes a lot of the books exactly. are too americanized yeah. and it's all just that you would never mm. say that it you know it just doesn't translate <laughs> that well in asia yeah. it doesn't doesn't That's sort of work true. Um, yeah. I think you're right when it comes to the books. It's hard. I probably read a lot more because I need it from a content perspective when I write my courses. But I, I would say for the person that sent the email in, um, there's loads of great books from Gallup. There's It's the Man, because Gallup is analytics and they do the Strengths Finder. There's It's the Manager by Jim Clifton and Jim Harter. It's got excellent stuff about employee engagement where you can just ask specific, these sort of key key 12 questions on are your team engaged and it was interesting what you said at the beginning then when you said you know I've got friends that I work you know my my peers are my friends and actually one of those questions on the employee engagement piece with in the book is you've got a good friend at work you've got a best friend at work and actually that yeah. really does mean you get retention of people it means their engagement goes up because they're they're enjoying themselves they're feeling trusted they've got someone they like that they come into work with and it's it is a it is a major factor which I find quite interesting. Mm. Um, I found a trusted advisor by Charles Green, David Meister. I love that. I think for recruiters, it's a I use that a lot in a lot of the courses that I work with, just because I think to accelerate um, trust over the phone to clients in times like this is quite tricky. I think sometimes people need to look at equations and need an actual model to work through, but a really simple one they can remember. So, trusted advisor is think, um, awesome for that. I think. I'd- I think a good a good recruitment book actually that that I have read is 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 and it's a very old book. Yeah. I think it's from like the nineteen forties. Is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah, um, I think really, I've got that. Really, I've probably got that um, on my bookcase actually. Yeah, I think yeah. I've got that one. Yeah, 
but they but some of those they can still you know a lot of those books even when they're written years ago some of them are quite good i just don't like the, the really overly american ones they just ugh, they're just not for me um what was the other sorry i've not finished yet <laughs> i thought i'd finished then those are the questions for the questions from the listeners so that's the first time we've done that on the podcast so i welcome anyone to ask me questions because i get lots of um responses after a podcast on and i always go back to um say to the listeners you know what else would you like to know for future podcasts but i thought i thought it'd be a good idea to actually preempt that and and get a little bit more um input from the listeners so i really encourage people to do that okay quick fire round we've got five minutes let's do this um what was the last podcast that you listened to (laughs) what was your key takeaway i'm glad i put podcasts and not a book because you wouldn't have you wouldn't have been able to answer (laughs) that one so the, I mean, I, I love podcasts, but actually the, the honest answer, and you might not believe it was, was actually what, probably one of your podcasts. Actually, oh, thanks. Uh, Which one? <laughs> um, but the, uh, it was Samantha at Archer. Actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, there's, oh, there's she loved great, that. She loved that you uh, said that. What was, yeah, what was the yeah, key well, takeaway? I, 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 well, yeah, I, I kind of, I, I know David as, as well. David, David and I was actually one of my early bosses at uh, oh. I didn't know that. Uh, all those, yeah, all those, all those years ago. But the, no, mm. that, that caught my eye. Um, and, and it, it might sound like it's the right answer to say right now, but it is the truth. And I kind of also wanted to know what I was in for today. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so no, that, that no, it was that was you know it's really good. And what what resonated, and I guess, was was really the similarities that you you know we have um, from a, a gender inequality perspective in supply chain that that Samantha experiences in construction, and we've got mm. you know we've got similar similar challenges and, and opportunities. Right. Um, is there yeah, women in procurement or women in supply chain? chain? Is there such a thing? No, there is. There isn't. I think in Australia, Australia is a, a, a lot. Australia is always a lot better um, at these things, yeah. and Asia yeah. can be quite behind. Maybe that's something yeah. you can look at for the future, Ben. Absolutely, yeah, no, definitely, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think, I think, um, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all, uh, I'm, I, yes, all, all for these things, and I've seen how you know such, like such organisations have. have have been really, you know, really, really successful in whatever the industry is that they do, and, and I yeah. think, it, yeah, look, it typically takes someone very prominent to, to take a lead. And, I think it does. If you um, listen and, and to drive it, yeah. You know? If you listen to the David Hawkins podcast, um, I think it was like three or four. He's the MD for BASF for New Zealand and um, Australia, and the whole podcast is he is a male Champions of Change member. So there's an mm. organisation in Australia where everyone gets together uh, at senior level and it's about what can men do to stand beside women to get them ahead. It's mm. fascinating. And through that podcast, I mean, he's really senior level. He's a father of two girls. So for him, it's his duty, as he says. And it's yeah. really nice, actually, some of the things that he's changed within BSF Australia, I don't think for the mm. rest of the world, um, but for Australia, particularly in New Zealand, <laughs> on how they hire, how they attract, the type of advertisements, um, the types of words that are, you know, not allowed in the office, you know, hey, love, can you go and get me that? Or, you know, think, yeah. just simple things like that. You just, yeah. you know, you will be ostracized. Um, and just that whole education piece around it. It's a really great podcast. He's really, really passionate mm. about it. So okay. I would definitely suggest that wasn't much of a quick round, was it? Sorry. Um, <laughs> why, who do you admire and why? Uh, oh, who I admire in a, in a, in a work, in a work context, I, I, I guess, um, I actually always think about my first ever boss in, in recruitment, um, who was a, uh, yeah, like really, really successful guy. Who was that? To be a very successful individual. Uh, it's a guy down in Australia called um, Lee Martin Seymour, and, and he, uh, he's he got on to set up his own business and, and, and so on. But he kind of, I suppose, is an element of respect there because he gave me my, my first my first opportunity, which, you know, he took a bit of a chance on me and it's, it's, mm. it's worked out really well for me but you know he's equally gone on to be successful was successful in the corporate environment um so you know there, there was there, there was him but there's been others along the way really but you know w- w- with him in particular it was um you know he sort of taught me some really good principles that stay with me to this mm. day in, in mm. recruitment but then I've, I've had you know i've had other people that have, have also um you know also Typically, ex-bosses, actually. I've been very fortunate to have some really good bosses over, over the years. That's really good. What do you wish you'd known when you started out managing in recruitment? Um, I, I wish I knew a little bit more about the science of like human behavior, I guess. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but I think, I think um, 
I think it's just something you, you learn, really. It's difficult to... It's not an area of focus um, for training, though, is it, no, in recruitment? No one really... Not, it's always on sales really. and everything. It's never really on, do we really know these people? What's the makeup of them? Yeah. What are their strengths? What's it? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Isn't it? well, well, the, I guess the key thing is, is that, that taking that leap from being in a big business to going to a smaller business and thinking that you've got the management skills from the big business that you can apply to mm. a smaller business mm. or a different organization and actually it's a really different job and you, you need to sort of push and pull different levers to, mm. to be successful and, and just because you were you know you're a successful manager in, in a in a in a haze that doesn't you know you have to start again when you start a new job and, and that starts with building respect and and, and internal relationships so I think you know that's maybe something I took for granted. Actually, I sort of finished having a, a reasonably successful career um, earlier on in my career at the Hayes, and just thought that's it, great, I, I can do this mm. now. But actually, no, no, the the challenge never really stops, and you sort of have to adapt your your style and just be a little bit more aware. Uh, I think of the environment you go into, the individuals at play, what their backgrounds are, and and, and yeah, what what are the sort of yeah, as I say, the different different levers to, to pull and push. Is there anything I should have asked you and didn't? Uh, no, I think we've covered it. What makes you feel inspired or, oh, I don't like that other part of the question I wrote. What makes you feel inspired? Uh, at the, at the moment it, it's, you know, it, and again, giving, giving connectors a plug here, but like it, it really is, <laughs> you know, very, very emotionally kind of brought into to the mission and, um, and, and really what we're trying to, trying to do. So to see the, the gradual and, and, and steady, improvement of the business and the individuals in the business and, and, and looking at some of the future plans that inspires me and actually having a plan and being able to kind of stay put and, and see that plan through and then see the success off the back of it I think that that for me is the uh, yeah that for me is the, what gets me up and, and sort of uh, you know gets me into work and, and inspires me to do as good job as, as I possibly can at the moment. Final question what are you still focusing on in your career? Um, getting getting better at doing the things that I've never necessarily had to do before, and I'm, I'm still you know I'm still reasonably early on in, in this process. So being being one of the uh, being one of the directors of the business, you know, there's a whole heap of tasks that I've now got to do that I've never had to do before. So really developing my skills and and, and learning how to you know work with a marketing supplier or um, you know deal with a certain technology that I've never had. And I've had to work with it in the past. So there's a heap of, of things. I mean, it's a job in itself. So I think getting better at those things, but then also being able to do that on, mm. on top of all the other aspects of the job. Thank you for your time and being a guest on the show. I appreciate that. Really enjoyed it. If you'd like to get in contact with Ben McDonald, then please check out the notes on this episode on Spotify or iTunes or Stitcher, where his contacts will be found, or just head to LinkedIn, Ben McDonald Connectors Global. If you've enjoyed the podcast, then don't be stingy. Share it with a friend and change someone's perspective today. If you have an interesting story to share and you're in the talent arena and keen to be a guest on the show and have, a f- and have some funny stories to share with me, then please reach out to me. Contact details on the show notes. You have been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by The Career Establishment. To learn more about The Career Establishment, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.